If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, I want to uh, to deal with today a, um, a subject that's very difficult and and yet it's necessary. There's going to be a lot of sermons probably here in the next several months because of all that's just transpiring in the, in the pace of our world and everything that's taking place that I'll be dealing with uh, just different topics and issues and subjects, trying to keep us ahead of the current that is taking place in our world. Uh, in fact, I want to start this morning just with that main thought, understanding or the world. In John 17, you're, you're there, beginning at verse 13, uh, there's a specific time where Jesus is fixing to leave. He is, he is fixing to go to the cross. We're very close to the end of it. Jesus, this is his last prayer over his disciples. And in this last prayer to his disciples, he's mentioning several different things. And I want to touch on some of those today. But one of the most important of that is, is to not be part of the world. The biggest emphasis he has in this last prayer is do not get caught up in, do not become a part of, do not get entangled in the world. And in fact, we understand this in, as you're turning there, but just 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We're not of this world anymore. I use the phrase all the time that if you want to see an alien, just look at me. I'm, I'm, as, I'm as foreign as you're ever going to see. This is it. This is what an alien looks like. I'm, I'm in this world, but I'm not part of this world. I don't act like this world, don't talk like this world, don't, don't have to live like this world. I have been a new creation created by God. E Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says, and you were dead in your trespasses. So it, not only was I an, am I an alien now, but once I was a dead person and now I'm alive. So when someone says, well, I wish I could see God raise somebody from the dead, I'm like, ta-da. I'll show you one. Here it is. Let me show you pictures of me when I was 15 and 16. Let me show you pictures of me when I was out in the world. Let me show you and talk to you about some of the things that I was dead in, the addictions, the different things. And then let me show you now the picture of me. Guess what? I'm alive. I, I'm not dead anymore. I'm not caught up in that anymore. I'm not the person I used to be. In John uh, 15, verse 19, it says, but I chose you out of the world. This is not something I did. It's something I can't boast on. It's something Jesus said, listen, I picked you. I chose you. The reason you're here this morning is because God chose you. The enemy's like, no, he isn't. No, 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 you're not qualified. Yes, God chose you. God picked you to be here, to listen. Now, this is what Jesus prays over his disciples. Let's read that real quick. John 17 Verses 13 through 21. But now I come to you, and, and, and these things I speak in the what? World. I speak these things in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This is Jesus talking to the Father. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you, you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. That they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. 
your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. So all this stuff we prayed about this morning, all the things that, that you're going through and all the, the, the things that, that the world tries to cast on us or, or we get touched by, yes, COVID, and, and if you're a Christian, you'll never get COVID. Well, that ain't true. You're, you're going to have to go through things. As long as we live in this world, we're going to have to deal with things that the world has, some of the effects of the world and sin and fallen man. And Jesus prays, I don't want you to take them out of it. So your problem this morning, the things we prayed about this morning, does not scare God. It does not make God say, oh, Lord, if they ever have to go through that, they'll quit. They, they won't make it. No. He says, I want you to leave them in the world. I want you to, to leave them in the world. Also, I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Everything that God does is directed toward the world whether he's separating you from the world, whether he's putting you in the world, or whether he's using your life to touch the world. The Bible says that God so loved the... We always try to change that. That God so loved me that he gave... No, no. God so loved the world, and he still does. What he loves more than anything else is not you in this room. I'm going to... What God loves more than anything else is not you in this room. What God loves more than anything else is the lost person that's not in this room. How do you know that, Brother Lot? Because he said, I had 99 sheep, I had a good foe, I had everything, and I had one that was lost. And guess what I did? I left that 99 to go find the... He said, that's my personality. Understand, so that even if you get saved, and even if you get uh, sanctified, and even if you get your life straight, let me explain to you what God's going to use your life for for the rest of your life. He's going to use your life to try to touch the world. The same world you're like, I just don't want to go. The same world you're like, I don't want to deal with it. The same world, look, we don't, we don't need to have them as friends. Look, the same world you're like, I don't want to... God says, but that's what I called you for. That through what you go through, through your pain, through sometimes suffering, through temptations, through troubles, through trials, that you will shine a light and the world will see me. It's not the absence of problems. It's not the absence. It's the mindset. I want to read this to you and I want to ask you to be serious about this and see if you have this mindset in you. Because because. Where is our home? Uh, what is our mindset toward this world? As Christians, how do we differ from the world? What, what is the difference between us? If I were to ask you, what's different between you and the world? Are your clothes different? Some of you say no. no. And I, and I see people all the time that are Christian people, and I'm like, no, your shorts are just as short as theirs are. Your rear end's hanging out just like theirs. I'm sorry, you're no different from the world. 
When you bend over, I have to turn my head just like I do the lady at Walmart because you got your stuff cut all the way down there too. And guys, it, 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 are we different from the world? If I go to your house, you got an ashtray sitting right there in your living room. You got stuff in the refrigerator. You got friends and stuff that you, you got still language that. The whole point is when we look at our lives, can we say we are different? From Deuteronomy to Leviticus to any part of the Bible, God is emphatic that there is a difference between us and the world. We still got to be in the world, but we got to be different. But let me ask you these questions and just see how you feel and how you rank. What things disturb you more? Be honest with me. A soul lost and headed to hell or a scratch on your new car? Tell me which one make you matter. How about you missing worship service or you missing a day at work? How about a sermon 10 minutes too long or lunch half hour later than normal? Which one disturbs you more? A church not growing and winning souls or your investment not growing? The church work being neglected or your housework being neglected? Missing a good Bible study or missing your favorite game on TV? Or your favorite TV show? If you had to choose tomorrow and you had your favorite TV show coming on and you had to do Bible study, which one would you pick? The millions who do not know Christ or your inability to keep up with your neighbors? The cry of the multitude for bread or your desire for another piece of German chocolate cake? Which one bothers you the most? I'm not trying to make you mad at me. I'm just telling you the world would answer this for you. And they would say, you're no different than us. A family being late for Sunday school or church, does that bother you? Or being late for work? Which one upsets you the most? I mean, it's just church. We'll get there when we get there. But work, you'll spend hour getting ready before you ever get there to make sure you're 10 minutes or 20 minutes early. See, the, God says, are you different from anyone else in the world? What defines your attitudes and outlook of the world? Which world do you belong to? The fact is, we are not like the rest of the world. We have been called out from the world with its cares and concerns. Our focus should be on Jesus and on fulfilling His will. That's what the writer says. I just had to read that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't come up with that. I didn't want you all to think I just come up with all them crazy questions. It, it was something I read, and I said, I've got to take this out because this, this hits me. Is that who I am? Is that how I live every day of my life? Am I different from the world? 
Go with me to John 15. John 15, verses 11 through 16, and I want to show you something. Jesus, before he gets to the 17th chapter, he, he writes this in the 15th chapter. Here's what he says. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may do what? Remain in you. Everything I've taught you and everything I've showed you and everything I've spoken to you is so that my joy would remain in you, not the world's joy, not, not what the world can give you, but my joy. So that no matter what you're going through and what you're facing, it sticks out above everything else. And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You are my friends. Greater love has no one than one that will lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says, when I came into the world, I came into the world with a mindset that I was going to serve God, do what God has called me to do, and I have been a living example of God's call on my life. And there is, there is stages and seasons of our journey. And part of that is where you didn't know me and I didn't know you and, 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 and you had to follow me and trust me and you had to learn of me. And as we've been together, listen, you are my friends. If, I, if you do, what? Oh, you are my friends. If you will do what I've commanded you to do. Otherwise, we can't be friends. We, we can't journey together. This is totally different than the way we see our relationship with Christ because Christ just loves us. No. He loves you if you do His commandments. Otherwise, He's reaching out for you. He's trying to have a relationship with you. But if love is established between the two, then here's the way you know that that relationship is built. It's the fact that you now will do what I've commanded you to do. You will live out the way I've commanded you. Do you love me, Tim? Yes. Then do what I've asked you to do. If you don't do what I've asked you to do, then quit saying you love me. That's what we're facing in this world right now, this, this week of, uh, of the abortion thing taking place and, 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 and the rebuttal of Roe versus Way, which is a wonderful thing. It is an incredibly wonderful thing. When Roe versus Way was created, it was two years before sonograms were ever designed. The people who made that decision made it in ignorance. That's all it was. It was ignorance. What they knew at the time that there's just some sludge inside of you that they don't know what all it is and how formed it is and it doesn't feel anything and it has no feelings and it has no, I mean, a baby don't feel anything until it comes out and then all of a sudden, no, what we found out through time and science is that science has been the thing that's pushed us to kill Roe versus Wade. Not religion, science has done it. Why? Because science has reached a point to say, oh, they can hear music at this stage. Oh, they can feel at this stage. We can even go inside and do surgery on an unborn baby at this stage. We, we know that they can be born at this stage and still survive. We can give them injections to help their lungs uh, form faster. We can do things. Man, we have come so far to where, you know what we've realized? There is a living person inside of you. 
would have thought it? There is a living person inside of you. Now, we could have just went to the Bible when God says, I knew you when I formed you in your mother's womb. I already ordained you. I already said what you... We could have done that, but in our not wanting to put God in anything, we decided we'll just do it ourselves. And our own science now has proved that you're killing somebody. You used to get away with, it's a woman's choice. Yes, because it was just nothing. But a woman's choice has to end when you decide she has the right to kill somebody. I'm sorry. Nobody gets that choice. Now, that may make you mad. That may make you upset. I'm sorry. But it's just the facts. And so we see all of this anger and all this and all kind of crazy statements when in reality it's just a correction. And he says, listen to me, you are my friends if you do what I've commanded you. So once I know something, once I have seen something, once I realize that something is this way, it is now my responsibility to say, if I love God, I have to operate in this way. Paul wrote it this way. He said, when I was ignorant, I didn't have to worry about it. Paul said, there was a lot of things I was ignorant about. I just didn't know. And you know what? There wasn't no law. I had no law against me because I didn't know. He said, but the moment somebody told me the truth, now I'm responsible for that law. One of those laws is you shall not kill. So in Jesus telling them, he said, listen to me, if you can now reach a point in your life and obey my commandments, we are friends. Listen to what verse 15 says. No longer do I call you servants. So here's the problem, is that we're in this quandrum here in our religious world. Because we want to be called Christians. We want to be called saved. We want all of that. But the problem is, is that if we do not allow our lifestyle to grow to the level that God's called us to, here's our problem. I no longer call you servants. You ever hear people say, I'm trying my best to live for the Lord. That's a what? It's a servant. I'm doing the best I can. That's a servant. Some of you in this room, that's what you do every day. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to live right. I'm trying to be the right person. I'm trying. That's because... Since you won't do what you know to do, you see yourself as a servant who is someone who is simply in bondage trying to live up to some standard. But what God says, I no longer call you a servant. I want to call you my friend. I want to call you part of my family. So how does that happen? You no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what the master is, is doing. That's what makes you a servant. And when you're around these, quote, religious people, who knows what God wants to do? Who knows what's going to happen? Well, if you pray a little bit, you might find out. If you spend some time with Him, you might figure out what He actually wants to do with your life. What He actually wants. He may give you a vision in your life that says, here's the direction I want you to go. A servant don't have to worry about that. He just gets up in the morning... 
Well, I guess I need to do this. I guess I need to do that. But you're no longer a servant. God says, what I want you to be, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from the Father, I have made known to... How do I know, Brother Lot, when I become a friend of God? We wrote that song years ago. I am a friend of God. Kenneth used to sing it, man, I loved it. How do you know when you've moved from a servant to a friend? It's when you no longer have to ask, God, what do you want me to do? When you reach the point in your life where you don't have to get up every day like, well, I don't know what God wants. No, I, I never have that problem. He's talking to me all the time. I'm talking to him all the time. We're, we're in conversation. He's way out dreaming me. He's got stuff way out there that I may never even get to or come close to. God's like, hey, just this is the way we're going. God, I don't, hey, Tim, we're going to do it together. You are my friend. We're, you are my friend. It's one of the greatest things that some of you, you need to make that step in your life beyond being a servant. Because when you see people's lives, hopefully like mine, and hopefully like some other people you admire, and you think, man, how do they do that? Let me tell you the difference. They're not servants. They don't get up in the morning with a to-do list, although they can make one three pages long. They get up every morning with God and them walking together, things they're doing, making life better, and it involves two different areas. It'll always involve two. If he's like, well, how do I know what God wants me to do? I'll give you a, a test. It only always operates in two levels. It'll either be doing more to love God or to be more loving people. It's the only two things it can do. If it doesn't involve loving God more or if it doesn't involve loving other people more, then it's not anything God gave you. It's nothing God gave you. That's why I know when God talks about them boats, that ain't God. That's not God. That's Tim. And I have to really wrestle with things because sometimes I'm like, God, is that you? Is that not you? And he said, Tim, does it, does it honor me? <sighs> Tim, is it making other people's lives better? <sighs> and you need to hold off until you're sure that it's doing. Though You can buy a boat. Nothing wrong with that. And God may one day say, Tim, I want you to get a boat. Why? Because from now on, you're going to start taking different people fishing, and you're going to do ministry, and you're going to do it. And God would, God would say, it's time now. That boat will do what I need it to do. But if I did it out of season, it would not be for God. It would not be for others. It would be for... God says, you can't, do, can't go buy a motorcycle yet. Why? I want to ride with other people. I want, I'm getting close. I'm closer on the motorcycle. I'm like, God, look, I can ride with people. I got people in the church that want to ride motorcycle. And you know, I need to go get my little bike again, and I need to get... And he's like, eh. I'm not saying no, but is it the right time? I'm like, it could be. It could be the right time. Anybody ever... Anybody a friend of God, and you have to walk through life like this? Yeah, it's just being his friend. And you're having these kind, and I know people in the world, they're like, you talk to God like that? He talks to me like that. We have these conversations about where we're going and how we're going to do it and what timing it is and, and what fits and what doesn't fit. And he tells the disciples, no longer do I call you a servant, for a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all the things that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. Tim, 
You did not come begging to be my friend. Every one of you in this room, listen to me very carefully. You did not beg God to be part of His family. You did not come on one right moment, caught God in the right mood and said, God, could I be part of your family? And God says, ah, come on. Let me tell you what happened. God chose you. Some of the best prayers I've ever prayed is me starting by saying, God, you pick me. Some of my best prayers starts with that. God, <laughs> you pick me. Everybody says, I, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm messing up here and, I'm, and I know I'm struggling on this and I got personality issues and I got, I got all this. You pick me. I was doing just fine, I thought, until you chose me. So that means you're responsible to keep working with me. That means you're responsible to keep pushing me. My job is to stay close, to be a friend, to listen, to do what you ask me to do. But your job is to guide and direct and to lead me in the right way. And if we keep doing that, we're going to be okay. If I don't quit listening to your commands and you don't quit giving commands, we're going to achieve what the world can't imagine. And that's the way you do life with God. And that's what Jesus, in his last prayer, is trying to show the disciples. Do you understand the system, how it works? I have showed you how. Look at me, Jesus says. What did I do? The Father sent me. I didn't do anything of my own. I simply did what? I obeyed the commands. And what did the Father do? Through the Spirit, he gave the commands. I didn't even heal anybody unless the Spirit led me. I didn't do anything unless God told me. Even eventually, and he's even relating this Coming in the future, very shortly, you're going to see the big one. You're going to see me give my life and die on a cross and all of this. But understand why it happens. It's happening because I am going to be obedient to the Father. And the Father is always going to lead me in the right direction. And He's always going to put me in the best places. It may seem difficult at the moment. It may seem bad at the moment. But God will get glory from it if I choose Him. Do you understand that? I know I'm teaching a lot today, but this, this is very important. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. That's the relationship you're supposed to live in. So when somebody says, Pastor, I, I mean, you, you pray with confidence, you, because I'm His friend, and He's commanded me to do this. And he says, Tim, I got you. I got your back. Walk confidently. You're my kid. You're my child. We're friends. Now come boldly to me. That, that is something the church needs to learn. So, But you can't do that as long as you're mixing part of the world in with yourself because then the enemy has a foothold to be able to tear you apart. The moment you try to boldly stand up, he reminds you, oh, but you know you still got this hid in your car. But you know you've still been doing this and Pastor Lot don't know about it. That's why you have to get rid of the stuff. The stuff is what bonds us down. Go with me to 1 John 2. 1 John 2, 15 and 16. 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Here's what it says. Do not love the what? The world. So let me, let me give you an understanding of the world. 
Can I just do that real quick? I know that's what we're dealing with and that's what we're talking about. Let me give it to you. The world is that system of society which has in it no place for God. So when he talks about the world, you can write this down. The world is a system. It's not a place. It's not when Jesus said, I've come into the world. He's not saying I've come stand on the earth. I've come into the world. I've come into its system. And when I, when I come into that system of society, here's the thing about it. It has no place for God. Because the world system is simply this. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's all the world encounters. It loves what it sees. It loves what it feels. And it's proud of what it's done. You want to think of it this way? Think of it this way. The world system is always horizontal. It's always horizontal. It is never vertical. That's why uh, a father can walk out on three children, his wife, and run off with his secretary, and, and you're like, dude, how do you live with yourself? Because the world is horizontal. It's only what I feel and only what I think and only what I can have at this very moment. It does not take into account tomorrow. It does not take into account 10 years from now. It does not worry about that. It's willing to sacrifice everything it has for the moment. That's, that's the world in which we live. It is a system that says we do not think vertically. We only think horizontally. What's in it for me right now? Let me give you another word on that. Worldliness then is pursuing the activities of the present life without thought of God. So when you're living a worldly life, what he's saying is, is that you're pursuing things in your life, you're pursuing things for yourself, you're pursuing things that you're lusting for, you're imagining, you're seeing, that you think you have to have, and your pride says, I deserve it. It says all of this. It's pursuing the activities without thought of God. That's the world. So when God says, do not love the world or the things in the world, He's saying that he can split it. Because you would say, well, the things of the world is the world. No. There's nothing wrong with any of the things. Shame on you if you think there's something wrong with a boat. Shame on you. Shame on you if you think there's something wrong with a motorcycle. They're God-given, beautiful things. But if I connect that thing with the world system, then it becomes disastrous. If I love then the thing more than I love God, then I've taken on the world system. So he looks and he says, do not love the world. Don't love the world system. And do not love the things that the world offers you or has for you or is around you that entices you. Does that make sense? Okay. So do not love those things. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not 
You, you, you cannot then, if you connect the two, you cannot obey God. That's what he's saying. That's what Paul is trying to jump on. What Jesus was saying to the disciples, Paul is now reiterating it in a different way. And he's saying, let me take it a little further where you'll understand what Jesus was saying in chapter 15 through 17 when he prayed his last prayer. He's saying, do not love the world or the things of the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you can't obey my commandments, it is because you do not, it's because you don't love me. because you don't love me. For 30 years, I have not kissed another woman. For 30 years, I have not chased after another woman, have not asked one out on a date, have not eaten pizza with one. Let me tell you why. Because you got married. No. It's because I fell in love. It's not the piece of paper that keeps me. Anybody realize a piece of paper ain't keeping nobody from cheating? whole world will tell you that. But I'll tell you what will, when they look at each other and they say, I fell out of love. And so when somebody says, I can't obey the commandments, it's because you don't love Him. Be not deceived. James would really hit it hard. I ain't got time to go to James. But he would say, look, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. I, I hate to break it to you, but if you're living a lifestyle that you know God does not want and you still keep saying, well, I love God and God loves me, you are lying. The two cannot run together. I can't look at Elise and say, baby, I love you, but now I need to tell you about a couple of ladies that you know I kind of like on the side. She's going to say, you don't love me. Oh, yeah, I love you now. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't come home. God, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't be in church this morning. But, but now when I leave church, you've got to understand, God, I am human and i got some needs. and I got See, the two can't run together. And so what happens is, is for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the... That's how you know. That's how you know if you're struggling with the two. That's how you know if the two are messing you up. Go with me to John 3 and 20. John 3 and 20. Is this okay this morning? I'm having fun. This, uh, this week has been a lot of information, and it's just like, I just need to go back, and we need, we need to re-separate. So here's what John 3 and 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. Don't kid yourself. If you're practicing evil, continually doing something that's not wrong, it's not right. You're doing something wrong. Then you hate light. You say, no, brother, light. I love light. Then I want you to stand up right now and tell all of us what you've been doing. And we're going to pray for you. Go ahead. Let's be honest. The world hates light. Loves darkness. We hate anything being exposed. Being, I remember Jesse Duplantis preaching that years ago about similar thing I was mentioning. He said, you guys that have problems with, with lust or have problems with uh, chasing other women or have, have problems with pornography, he said, I got a cure for it. He said, I can cure it real quick. He said, just tell your wife. Just tell your wife. In other words, the moment you take something and bring it into light, 
You can deal with it. And he says, listen, for everyone practicing evil, they hate light and does not come to the light, lest the deed should be exposed. That's, that's the whole point. That if you do this, they're going to be exposed. Go with me to Philippians 3 and 20. For your citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do we then accomplish this, Brother Lot? How do you accomplish what you're talking about? Well, let me show you real quick. Go with me in your Bibles to John, 3, John 13 and begin at verse 36. This is Jesus at the Last Supper. And He is fixing a deal with an issue that has to be dealt with of transitioning from being a friend, a servant. Which one are you going to be, a servant or a friend? And so what we find is, is that in this, there are several different situations. In fact, let me just show you real quick. There are several different people. In John 13 and 36, we're going to see the first one. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me for now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him and said, will you lay down your life for my sake? Is that what you're going to do, Peter? Let me explain something. Most assuredly, Peter, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. There are moments in our lives, and what will cause us the problem is where we want something that we can't have at the moment. Being a servant or being a friend is all about this. Two things. Number one is this. A servant will struggle to submit to the will of the master. A friend will always submit to the will of the master. Got it? A servant will struggle to submit to the will of the master. A friend will always submit to the will of the master. The second thing is this, a servant must have hope and confidence in a master. A servant will struggle to constantly keep hope that it's going to be okay, that it's going to be all right. You ever hear people all the time, they're always like, y'all just pray for, I'm just not sure how this thing, and you're always wondering whether they're going to fall off the ship or whether they're going to stay on, whether they're going to stay in church or fall out of church. I don't know how much more, that's a servant. A friend always has confidence in his master. So let me show it to you. Jesus sets this up and makes it really good. So we saw Peter. Look at the person beside you. Say, Peter's one of them. Go with me to John 14 and 8. John 14 and 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. Look at the person beside you and say, Philip's too. He's struggling. Go with me to John 14 and 22. J 
Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Look at the person beside you and say, Judas is struggling. Now this is at one dinner. At one dinner, he's got all these guys. In fact, let me give you another one. John 14 and 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Next verse, verse 4. See if you can pull that up. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Look at the person beside you and say, Thomas is struggling. At this moment at the table, he is surrounded by servants. He's surrounded by people who are servants. In other words, as long as everything's going the way I thought it would, and everything's happening the way I thought it would, and nothing's out of the ordinary, and you're not scaring us too bad, and you're not... We're good. Because a servant, what? Doesn't know what the master is He can't, because if the master shared it to him, it would overload him. So he only gives them bits and pieces, and, and, and really it's the, worst, it's the worst of lifestyles in a church. If you're in this room today and you live as a servant, listen, it's the worst lifestyle you'll ever live, because what you're doing every single day is you're getting breadcrumbs, just little breadcrumbs, just to keep you coming back next Sunday, and just enough to keep you praying a little more, and just enough to keep you... and and and. And all these people are having to call you, and all these people are having to check on you, and all these. And every time you see a headline in the news, it just drops your whole demeanor. And every time you see something happen, oh, the world's bad. What's happening? You're a servant. You can't think long term. You can't. You can't see life from long distance. And so God gives it to you piece by piece. And all of these disciples don't think that it's bad. They had followed Jesus for three years, saw dead people raised. I mean, saw waters calmed. They've, they've seen Lazarus raised from the dead. And they still, if you just tell us, we'd be okay. If you just show us, it'd be okay. If you could just help us out a little bit, we'd be all right. And Jesus says, listen to me, it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen in that way. A true servant will never be a true friend. That's why by verse 17, he looks at them in chapter 17, and he says, listen, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Because I'm sharing with you now exactly what's fixing to happen. And I can do this because whatever I command you to do, you will do it. So this morning, the question becomes very simple. How do we accomplish this, brother? How do I accomplish being that person, being that friend, being that individual? This morning, you have to make one decision, two decisions. First one is this. I must willfully submit to the will of the Master. To transition from servant to friend, you have to willfully decide 
that whatever He said, I will do. See, the problem right now we have in this court case that's come down and all the different things happening is that the world cannot do that. And it never will. If you look at the world and you say, do you realize that you're killing someone? They can only think what? But you're telling me that I'm going to have to go through some stuff that I don't want to have to go. You're telling me I have to think long term. You're telling me I have to be responsible where I don't want to be responsible. You're telling me I have to... Yes. I don't want that. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. I don't want nobody to condemn me for doing it. If you this morning decide you're going to be a friend of God, then what you read in the Bible, what you hear in the Bible, what you see in the Bible, you have to be willing to say, that's it. That's that's all there is. There, There is no more. And secondly, you have to be willing to believe that whatever the Master has told you, that you have confidence in it. Go with me to John 14, verses 1 through 6. I told you that they were all struggling with the first part. They were all struggling being servants, and Jesus is wanting them to be friends. In this room, Jesus wants every one of you in this room to be His friend. He wants you to be able to hear what He said and trust it. Just like I did a while ago in the altar call. I just read you a few scriptures. I just said, this is what the Word says. Do you believe it? And many of you stepped out. And many of you said, yes, I believe. That's being a friend. That's being a friend. You mean I ain't got to dress a certain way? It may affect that one day and God may tell you to, you know, look a little different that way and stuff. But that's... It begins with you being able to hear what He says and believe what He says. That's what a servant moves into a friend. Secondly, listen to what He says. Let not your heart be troubled. It's amazing He starts with that. Because He knows He's done messed them all up. I mean, He just knows. He's, He's got Thomas. He's got Judas. He's got Peter. He's got them all sitting around the table like, we are messed up. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in... If I was to ask most people, do you believe in a God? Oh yeah, I believe in God. I mean, I believe in God. Would you wholeheartedly, with everything you got, believe in Jesus? (sighs) That's hard, Brother Lot. I know. But that's the test. It is the ability not only to to obey, but it's the ability to have hope and confidence in the Master that you've chosen. And here's what He said about us. Every one of us in this room, this is what He said about you. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Look at that person beside you and tell them, God has built me a place to live for eternity. God has built me a place to live for. If I die tomorrow, 
God has already built me and prepared me a place to live forever. If, you, if, if somebody's to shoot me, kill me, you ain't, you ain't made me lose anything. I already have a better home and a better house, and I don't even have to worry about looking for a job. I have a better setup on the other side, and it's already prepared. It's already made. It's already waiting. It's got my name, my address, and it said, when I walk up there one day, they're going to say, that's yours. That's mine. That is yours. In my father's house, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be. Really? You really think Jesus is coming back for you one day? Really? You really think that you're going to be living in a place for all eternity where you don't get old, you don't have to get worry about wrinkles anymore, and your mind is super sharp and everything? You really believe that? Let me tell you what I believe. I believe Jesus. I don't understand all the mansion thing, and I don't understand all the streets of gold thing. I don't get caught up in all that. I don't get caught up in gates of pearl. I don't get caught up in streets of gold. I don't get caught up in that. But I tell you what I do get caught up in. Is that the one that I trust is also the one I have confidence in. And the one I have confidence is said, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know. So this morning, if you're saying, well, I struggle with that, Brother Lot, you are a servant. Servants can't see that far ahead. Only friends can see that far ahead. And God says, I don't want you to remain a servant your whole life. Become my friend. Let's walk together. Let's live together. Let's enjoy life together. And I tell you what, you won't be worried as much about what all goes on in this old world. This old world will be chaos to the day we die. And one of the craziest things we've done as Christians, and don't get me wrong, we're supposed to vote right, we're supposed to vote for things of God and all this. I'm not saying don't, I want you to vote for everything and vote godly in every way. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if I'm looking for the world to fix the world so that I can live here happily as a Christian, you are messed up in your head. The world is never going to fix its world so that you feel comfortable. Jesus said they hated me. Guess what's going to happen to you? They're going to hate you. Because the moment you say, uh, stand up and say, we don't believe in killing babies. Oh, how dare you? The moment you stand up and say, we don't believe in marriage between this and this. How dare you? But it's okay. Because he says, I got you a place. And I'm coming back to get you. Jesus said it this way in verse 6. Last verse. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody. Nobody is going to come to the Father except through me. Will you stand? I know this morning I'm doing a lot of teaching. But in the world we're living in right now, I need you to understand this. The world is in a rage right now. Many people prayed and prayed and prayed for these last 40 or 50 years. We've seen churches put little crosses out in front to show you how many people are killed by abortion. and People have stood outside in front of with picket signs or just trying to convince somebody who's going into an abortion clinic, please don't do that. And somewhere in the process, God began to move. It's not ironic that the Supreme Court judges were arranged the way they were and the people that are on there or who are supposed to be on there for this moment, this season. You say, Brother Lot, well, maybe it'll stay. I wouldn't hold my breath that this old world is going to stay pointed in the right direction long. But it's nice at those moments when it is. But just understand that it will enrage your world. Because the world loves darkness. And it will flee and run from light. Don't tell us what we're doing wrong. Just let us do what we do and enjoy what we enjoy and quit But Jesus says, the reason I called you is so that you would shine light. And that hopefully through your life and your friendship with me, the world would see it. The world would see it and come to me. In fact, turn with me one more time. Let's go to verse 21 of chapter 17. 20 and 21. I love these scriptures. Here's what it says. I do not pray for these alone, but for also those who will believe in me through their... That's you. 2,000 years later, you're here because somebody preached a word and you believed it. And Jesus said, I see them. I see Tim Lott all these years later. I see Tim Lott hearing somebody's word preached about me and he's going to become my friend. Do not pray for that, but listen, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you, that they also may be one in us. So that what? That the world may believe that you sent me. Your call is to live alive, an alien, whatever you want to call yourself. 
But more importantly, to call yourself a friend of God so that the world watching you will come to the understanding there is a God. And that that God then could choose them, could reach down and touch them and make them part of the family. That's our call. The world won't change, but we're called to change it. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I feel more like a servant. I feel more like I just do what I'm told. I don't see, I don't see like you long term. I don't see heaven and I don't see where I'm headed. I don't see the big picture. I see just me having to quit this now or me struggling with this now or me. And when we pray here in a second, I hope whatever it is whatever it is that's keeping you from loving God whatever it is that's keeping you from loving God you'll lay it down because you can't say you love Him and not obey Him this morning God is saying love me and let me show you what you haven't seen Father, for whoever that person is in this room right now, I know I've used a lot of Scripture and taught. But God, the pressure of this world is designed to push us away from our relationship with You. To turn us into servants who fail and flip and flop and compromise and give in. And your call is for us to move from just servants to friends. People who see it, who know, who, who understand, who, who hear you, talk with you, spend time with you. That not only follow you, but trust you. Father, this morning, if there's a person who says there's things I need to lay down because they're hindering my relationship with God, God, let them do it. Give them courage and boldness to do it. To drag it into the light. To drag it into the light and declare it unfit for who they are. This is not who I am. There's a difference between us and this world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Go give it old devil fits.